Today in Understanding Immigration, Border Crises, Past and Present. The Trump administration took action to end the crisis pretty immediately, whereas Joe Biden and his administration uh, are seemingly doing nothing to change this and to, and to reverse the trends. There were a lot of organizations inside of the United States that were essentially aiding and abetting this asylum fraud. A lot of members of the media, both on the left and right, are upset with how President Biden and his administration have limited access to these facilities at the southern border to the media. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. All right. Welcome back to another episode of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. This is Spencer Rayleigh, FAIR's Director of Research, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Tregesser from our media team and Preston Hennekins from our lobbying department. So even members of the media and the Biden administration now are finally admitting that we have a crisis on our hands at the southern border. However, both the media and the current administration are downplaying the seriousness of the situation. Biden is blaming the situation on his predecessor, despite doing everything in his power to dismantle border security and interior immigration enforcement. And many open borders, media personnel and members of Congress who trashed the Trump administration over the immigration crisis of 2019 are just straight up ignoring the current situation altogether. So I want to dive into the hypocrisy of of all of this and the two-sidedness that seems to be so prevalent in this discussion. But before we do that, Preston, really quick, uh, what are just some of the basic facts that are going on right now? I know we've talked about it. It seems like in every podcast we've done recently, but just refresh us on what's going on and how did it, does it compare or differentiate from the crisis in 2019. Yeah, so right now, essentially what is happening is that so far we've seen close to about 500,000 um, apprehensions at the southern border in only a few months of the fiscal year. And, and to give everyone a sense of how different that was from the last fiscal year, we, we barely got over 400,000. So it's it's pretty remarkable that we've gotten to this level. Um, and it, it's really entirely because of the the rhetoric and the um, policy decisions of the Biden administration. And so I want to take our listeners back to 2019, um, which was uh, under, under the Trump administration, and kind of what happened with that border surge and how it's different from the one today. So in 2019, uh, there wasn't really a, a single reason that people started coming to the border in big waves. Um, Trump, of all people, did not campaign on inviting illegal aliens into the country. Um, and so it was actually surprising, given his rhetoric, that there would be a border surge. Um, you would think because of what he was saying, what his advisors were saying, what Republicans um, in the Senate and in the House were campaigning on, that most illegal aliens wouldn't want to come to the border because they would think that it was closed. Um, but if we if we dive a little deeper, and this was you know discussed at the time, you know there was a Trump effect where between 2017 and 2018 apprehensions were were relatively low because the smugglers and people in Central America took his word that he was going to be really tough on immigration and that the, you know they were going to build a wall, no one was going to be able to get in. But by 2019, people started to realize that nothing had really changed. Uh, in fact, in December 2018, the government shut down over the question of border wall funding. Many of our listeners probably remember that. 
And Trump eventually signed a budget in, I think it was either January or February of, of 2019, that included no funding for the border. And instead, he just declared a national emergency so that he could move money from the Defense Department to start border wall construction. But at this time, you know, smugglers and human traffickers south of the border saw this and they kind of said to themselves, you know, wait a minute, nothing has changed. The, the laws are still the same. And so then in the spring and summer of 2019, when it traditionally warms up and when we do see, you know, more of a, of a growth of apprehensions, uh, we started seeing huge numbers of asylum-seeking aliens. Uh, and some of them were coming in, in migrant caravans uh, that were in the news at the time. And so Trump and his Department of Homeland Security really struggled at first to, to get a hold of this uh, because of congressional inaction. Uh, House Democrats refused to, to address the issue. Um, they really saw it as a humanitarian issue and that we should try to get is, you know, we shouldn't be detaining people at all. And on the other hand, Republicans in Congress and President Trump saw this as a national security issue that um, there was obviously something horribly wrong with our current laws that was allowing this. And so because of this inaction, because of this gridlock, uh, the president and the Department of Homeland Security uh, then um, had to kind of act unilaterally through executive actions. And so the two big things that they did was they created the migrant protection protocols, um, which were commonly referred to as the Remain in Mexico program, where apprehended aliens would be given a court date, the same that they would normally in the U.S., um, but instead of being released into the interior of the country, they were transferred to Mexico. And so those that wanted to pursue their asylum claims in the U.S., they could do that, but they had to be living in Mexico. They couldn't just, you know, come to the United States and then move to Chicago or New York or Los Angeles or Florida. They had to stay in Mexico, which was a huge disincentive for people to begin the dangerous journey to the border because the whole goal is to get into the United States. It's not to get into Mexico. And then the second of those two actions was that uh, President Trump entered into you know, pretty much de facto safe third country agreements with Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And so because of that, migrants from any of those countries would have to have applied for asylum in another country before they came to the U.S. Um, and if they hadn't done that, they weren't able to apply for asylum in the United States. And that that really did stop most of what we saw at the southern border in 2019, the numbers really came down after that. And then um, and then in the following year, they were pretty low. But a lot, of, you know, also they were low because of um, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, and, and the Title 42 protections that we put in place. But they were low nonetheless. And a lot of that was because of the migrant protection protocols and because of the safe third country agreements that we had with Honduras, Guatemala and El Salvador. And so. Let's then fast forward to today, where the crisis is entirely due to two things. The first is that President Joe Biden uh, campaigned on giving a pathway to citizenship for every legal alien present in the United States. Um, and Kamala Harris, when she was running for president, did the same thing. So 
human smugglers, human traffickers, and people in Central and South America who wanted to come to the U.S. and make asylum claims to get into the country, they saw that and said, oh, I need to get in to the country before this happens. And then second, within the first two weeks of becoming president, uh, Joe Biden rescinded both the migrant protection protocols and he ended those asylum agreements with Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. So there were no, there was nothing that the United States could fall back on to prevent asylum-seeking aliens from entering the U.S. Um, we pretty much reverted, in many ways, to the status quo that we had with President Obama, where illegal aliens would come to the border, they would apply for asylum, and then they would be let loose into the United States, and they'd have a court date sometime in the next two years. It's usually a three to four year process um, for them to then be removed. And by that point, they've settled in the United States and they don't want to leave. Uh, so that's pretty much where we are today. And, you know, the main difference being that the Trump administration took action to end the crisis pretty immediately, uh, whereas Joe Biden and his administration uh, are seemingly doing nothing to change this and to, and to reverse the trends. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point. And it's probably the biggest differentiating factor is that when a crisis began at the border under the Trump administration, they quickly took action to try to solve it. And I think it's also important to mention that uh, a lot of the crisis we saw in 2019 was fueled by a fantastic economy in the United States, mm. whereas a lot of the economies in uh, Mexico and Central America were not as strong at the time. And so you, of course, had uh, an uptick in migrants coming to the United States, hoping to take advantage of that economy and the loose, uh, still loose immigration laws, like you mentioned. And another thing I think it's important to mention is there were a lot of organizations inside of the United States that were essentially aiding and abetting this asylum fraud. They were telling potential illegal aliens how to get past the initial credible fear interview so that they're released into the United States. And because of that, more and more and more people realized, hey, I don't even have to like sneak across the border and stay hidden. I can go to the border, turn myself in, say a few essentially magic words, and then I'll get released into the country. And since the backlog of cases is years, you know, I can essentially settle down, make a life here, and who knows what will happen in the future. So, you know, there's a whole lot that went into that. And like you mentioned, the Trump administration took steps to eliminate those loopholes to close the border, and we saw apprehension numbers go down significantly. I think it's very important and concerning to note that now unemployment is still approximately double what it was during the 2019 border crisis, but you've still got surges coming. So what's it going to look like, if, especially if the Biden administration continues with their open borders proposals, what's it going to look like once our unemployment rate goes down, once our economy continues to improve and more and more and more people keep surging to the southern border. And Matthew, I want to I want to just you know change gears just a little bit and, and turn to you. You know, in 2019, we saw we saw members of Congress posing for photos and crying in front of detention centers, you know, and President B- uh, Biden blasted former President Trump's handling of the issue. And the media coined this whole false kids in cages narrative to defame the Trump administration. But like we just mentioned, the situation seems far worse under Biden today, or at least poised to be far worse as we go into the busy 
months for apprehension. So my question is this, is the media, is Congress giving the Biden administration the same treatment that they gave Trump? Well, first, let me reiterate that what we're seeing in the first two months of Biden in office is nothing like we've seen under uh, the Trump administration at, at any point. I mean, apprehension totals are just uh, at crisis level figures. And, you know, I, I will say that from a media perspective, it has been kind of a mixed response. You know, you definitely have uh, members of the media and certain outlets uh, taking the blame or placing the blame rather on President Trump and his policies. You know, they were saying, well, a surge was already happening under him, which I don't see how that was even remotely uh, similar to what's happening now. Uh, the Washington Post, for instance, had analysis uh, just a few days ago saying that, well, the reason that uh, southern border apprehensions are soaring right now is because, you know, they are in line with usual seasonal increases. And I look at this and I'm just scratching my head like this is no way there is no way this is in line with usual seasonal increases. You know, for instance, February's total apprehension figures were the largest for the month since 2007, more than a decade. The number of unaccompanied minors who were apprehended in February last month were the largest for that demographic on record. And then even Mayorkas, the head of DHS, has stated recently, quote, we are on pace to encounter more individuals on the southwest border than we have in the last 20 years. So clearly, you know, these are crisis figures. Uh, this is not just a usual seasonal increase. And, you know, you definitely have members of the media kind of trying to downplay this situation, which does it's a disservice to the American public. It's not truthful. It's misleading. But something that's very interesting, too, is they're not totally covering the Biden administration. And what I mean by this is uh, a lot of members of the media, both on the left and right, are upset with how President Biden and his administration have limited access to these facilities at the southern border to the media. Uh, they're basically, you know, they, they, there's no tours going on. Uh, reporters can't interview any, anyone at these facilities or any immigration official at the border. All these requests are sent back up to D.C. So there's, you know, more controlled messaging. Um, so there has been frustration with this. And, you know, just the first photos that we saw of these detention facilities came from Project Veritas. You know, the, it's not even like legitimate kind of, you know, Washington Post or CNN or any of those types of outlets. I mean, this was uh, a very strange thing that Project Veritas was the first organization to release the, the conditions and the photos and what was going on in these facilities. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a mixture. You, you definitely have outlets and, and members of the media covering the Biden administration saying that, you know, we're not really at crisis levels. It's no reason to raise the alarm yet. But you also have members who are frustrated with them. You know, they want more access to these immigration facilities uh, to uh, get in contact with uh, Border Patrol agents and people who oversee and manage the facilities. And uh, Mayorkas has essentially put a gag order on these people at the southern border. He doesn't want them speaking to the media. So um, it, it's a very complicated situation. I think the American public deserves to see more, you know, what's going on. Uh, just from the few photos that I've saw, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have seen, I mean, it looks like terrible conditions. You know, a lot of people are crammed in these facilities. They're not meant to handle uh, this many migrants, especially family units and unaccompanied minors. You know, we're also in a pandemic. So, you know, putting them in these kind of tight spaces is detrimental to their health. Um, so it's, it's really a, a complicated situation. And um, another thing I, I want to bring up quickly is, you know, where is the squad with this? You know, AOC, Omar, you know, as you mentioned, Spencer, they were doing photo ops at the southern border, just making like the situation a lot more um, sensitive and emotional. And now it's the same situation, if not worse. 
and they're radio silent. You know, there's no comments from them. They're not scrutinizing uh, the Biden administration. They're radio silent. And, you know, that's a problem that's very hypocritical. And uh, they should know better that it's the same thing going on, if not worse. You know, one, one of the whole reasons that, you know, AOC and her whole squad gained prominence in Congress is because they were essentially the Donald Trump of the left. They were outsiders. They called out the establishment. They were, you know, very vocal. But we're not seeing that as much anymore now that they've got a seat at the table. And this crisis is is very much, you know, an example of that. They're keep them silent because they don't want to get in trouble with the, the leaders of the Democratic Party. Um, and that brings me to this, Preston. Schumer and Pelosi, again, were all up in arms about the border situation in 2019. Even some Republicans voiced their concern. You touched on this a little bit. But what is happening in Congress in response to this? Is there anything happening uh, that would help stem the tide of this border cross uh, crisis? Or is it continuing to be full steam ahead on the amnesty proposals that we've been talking about for weeks now? No, there, there hasn't been anything in Congress that has at least substantively tried to <laughs> fix what's going on at the southern border. Um, and in many ways, it's actually significantly worse than it was in 2019, because at least in 2019, both parties were able to admit that there was a problem. You know, Republicans weren't pretending that there wasn't a huge issue at the southern border. Whereas today in 2021, at least from, first of all, the Biden administration refuses to address this as a crisis. Uh, they call it a very big problem. Um, Mayorkas, uh, um, DHS Secretary Mayorkas has referred to it that way. And so on the congressional side, Democrats are, are somewhat afraid to acknowledge that this is a, a crisis. And if they do talk about it, they only talk about it uh, in the sense that they did in 2019 about the humanitarian conditions without really pausing to think about why all of these people are coming here. Um, and it's entirely because our laws are easily abused. Uh, most of these people uh, have been told correctly by their smugglers and by uh, human traffickers that all they have to do is come to the U.S. and claim asylum and they'll be let into the country. And so there, there hasn't been a real sense of urgency on the Democratic side of things in Congress to address the issue beyond just letting them go as soon as humanly possible. Uh, and on the Republican side, there there has been obviously concern about what's going on, but you know the Republicans are not in control of either House of Congress, so they can't, for instance, hold hearings. Uh, they, you know, at least in 2019, the Republicans held control of the Senate, so they were able to hold hearings about it. They were able to question uh, the DHS secretary at the time and the Border Patrol chief and the CBP commissioner on what was going on and what tools they needed to to reverse the flow. Um, that's just simply not happening today. So while this was going on, uh, the Democrats in the House cho chose to vote on two amnesty bills, which we've covered in previous podcasts, H.R. Uh, 6, the American Dream and Promise Act, and then H.R. 1603, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, both of which give uh, a pathway to citizenship to illegal aliens that are here in the country. And so, again, just talk about the messaging aspect of this. 
as we are dealing with this huge flow of people coming to the southern border uh, where, you know, we don't have enough space to detain people, the Democrats in the House chose to roll out the, the welcome mat, in a sense, by saying, well, we're going to legalize these illegal aliens um, and then we're going to just kind of clap our hands and move on. And at least on the Republican side, there have been bills introduced that would stop this. There's one in particular uh, that FAIR supports and that FAIR has actually published a, a letter endorsing it, which is um, the Asylum Abuse Reduction Act, uh, which was introduced in the Senate by uh, Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma and in the House by Congressman Kevin Hearn, uh, also of Oklahoma. And it's it's a pretty straightforward bill. It it forces asylum-seeking aliens to apply in their home countries at American consulates and American embassies where an asylum officer in, in their home country can determine whether or not they have a, a credible fear, um, which is the first step in, in making an asylum claim. And it also raises the credible fear threshold um, back to what it, it should be, which is political persecution, um, religious persecution, uh, persecution because of immutable characteristics, um, things of that nature. And it would remove uh, the this kind of strange category that we currently have, which is I'm not making enough money in my home country, so I want to come to the U.S. Um, and then often uh, I'm afraid of of criminal activity in my neighborhood, so I want to move to the U.S. Those Those should not be a part of our asylum process that is not what asylum is made for. Asylum is made for people who are being persecuted by their governments or in other extreme cases. Um, it's not simply, uh, you know, economic insecurity and fear of, of domestic crime. That, that, that simply is not applicable to our asylum laws. Um, and so that, that bill would certainly change a lot of what we're seeing at the border. But uh, again, we're in a divided Congress and it's extremely unlikely that the two parties are going to come together uh, on anything um, that that would stem this crisis. So, uh, in a sense, unfortunately, we are left with the Biden administration, which uh, they created the crisis by by their words and by ending the successful asylum policies of the previous administration. Uh, I don't get the sense that they're going to suddenly make fools of themselves and go back on their campaign promises and go back to the Trump era asylum uh, agreements or uh, reinstate the microprotection protocols. So we're, we're pretty much stuck between a rock and a hard place at this point. Yeah, absolutely. That, the, you know, the bills you're talking about here that would, uh, you know, eliminate asylum fraud, they, they make perfect sense. And, you know, one thing I do want to note is they include clauses and protections for those who are found to have credible asylum cases which was one of the initial concerns about that bill. So it really makes no sense why someone would oppose that unless they want individuals coming to the United States being released into the country. There's just no rational reason why you would oppose it otherwise. You know, and something else that, you know, we haven't touched on yet that I think is very important is that early polling has shown that immigration has been Biden's weakest point with the American people. You know, even during the immigration crisis in 2019, there were a number of polls that came out that showed more than 50 percent of Americans supported uh, the Trump initiative, such as the migrant protection protocols. Uh, plurality supported building the wall. 
And we haven't seen those figures necessarily come down a lot. And I think a big reason for that is the entire COVID-19 issue we see that's already starting to develop thanks to this, uh, you know, to this border crisis. You know, the the media blasted Trump's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, and many might agree that that was for good reasons. But just recently, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sounded the alarm that there are COVID outbreaks happening in detention centers and at border towns where these migrants and these caravans are being released. And I think a big reason for this is, you know, most migrants and these caravans, they aren't wearing masks. Virtually none of them are vaccinated. And in some areas, Border Patrol is so overwhelmed now that they're releasing these illegal aliens into the country without first testing them for COVID-19 or enforcing any kind of mandatory quarantine. So I guess, again, maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, but why isn't the media covering this public health hazard like they have other coronavirus stories? Because it's very clear that the American public is concerned about this. It seems like we're finally turning the corner on COVID-19, hopefully anyways, you know, with the vaccine rolling out, more and more people being vaccinated. Why are we putting ourselves at risk of taking, you know, one step forward and five steps backward by allowing this public health crisis to potentially develop? I mean, it it certainly is a a real public health crisis. You know, you mentioned Texas. I know in, in Brownsville, for instance, just last month, more than 100 illegal aliens were released into Brownsville after crossing the country unlawfully, and they tested positive as well, all 108 of them, and then they were released into the interior of the country with some of these migrants saying that they were traveling to North Carolina, uh, to California, I mean, really all over the country, and I presumably assume that it would be on public transportation. Um, and, you know, you have, it, it is a legitimate concern, you know, it's, especially with all these uh, facilities that are co- completely at capacity, it's like we, they're being released. They, they can't even be detained anymore. And the Biden administration has done nothing to stop these surges. Uh, they've done nothing to address the, the public health component of, of this surge. And it, it really is something that, as you said, Spencer, it's really not talked about at all in the media. And this is a, a very important element to this border crisis. You know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. It didn't disappear automatically. And it's really mind boggling. I have no idea why it's not a more of a focal point. I actually found it a little bit ironic. I believe it was yesterday. Ted Cruz went to a press conference yeah. and he's been immune. He's, he's had his vaccine, but he didn't have a mask on. And they started fussing at him for not having a mask on. Yeah, perhaps he should have had one on. But the his press conference was largely about the crisis at the southern border and the public health crisis and how the media isn't covering that. So I, I, right. I just some of that is mind boggling. And, and, and what really bothers me about it is it's not giving it's not it's not providing a service to the American people. You know, the three of us, we do this for a living. We know how to vet media sources. Uh, We have our own sources, but most Americans still rely on accurate information from the media, not to just to form their opinions, but to keep themselves safe. And so members of the media and as well as, you know, our president and members of Congress have a responsibility to ensure that accurate information on this is being you know, represented and put forth in the media and that policy is created that pr- protects the interests of American citizens. Now, I want to change gears just one more time and, and, and address this one, this question to you again, Matthew. And that's that uh, this, this doesn't seem to be President Biden's first rodeo uh, when it comes to responsibility for an immigration crisis. 
there was there was a in some ways quite similar situation that occurred in back in 2014 when he was still vice president. Uh, so how does that compare to the 2019 crisis and the crisis we're seeing right now? So it, it's very similar in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of the hotspot for uh, these kind of surges was in 2014, the Rio Grande Valley, which is in uh, the southern tip of Texas. That's where the hotspot is today. Um, you know, in terms of the, the demographics, uh, the majority of the people who are coming to our border unlawfully are unaccompanied minors, family units. Uh, the vast majority are coming from the northern triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, as well as Mexico. But what's interesting is in 2014, when uh, President Biden was vice president at the time, uh, I remember that the DHS secretary, his name was Jay Johnson, and he said that a bad day for immigration officials down at the border during this crisis was apprehending a thousand people a day. Right now, immigration officials are apprehending upwards of 5,000 per day. And the administration still won't call it a crisis. It's a mere challenge to them. And so clearly it's, you know, it's similar in terms of the where they're coming from, the demographics. But in terms of the actual figures, I mean, this is, uh, you know, way more of a problem than it was in 2014. And, you know, I think the large reason why we saw a, a large surge in 2014 is similar to what why they're coming right now in 2021. It's these radical immigration policies and promises by, you know, Democrats. And so in 2014, President Obama and his administration, uh, you know, they were essentially kind of reducing uh, interior immigration enforcement in our country. You know, they helped proliferate sanctuary cities. So now these cities like Chicago, New York, uh, L.A., the local and state police couldn't co uh, cooperate with ICE. And that, you know, basically meant that if you were an illegal alien in any of these cities, you couldn't be deported. You had a very low chance of being deported. So sanctuary cities were growing in 2014. Uh, you had DACA that was introduced in 2012. Um, and it's kind of similar today in the sense that there are, you know, President Biden has demonstrated that he wants to implement these radical immigration policies, uh, you know, the pathway to citizenship to virtually every single illegal alien in our country, halting wall construction, calling to end deportations for 100 days, calling to end uh, private immigration det detention. So the promises and, and the policies are actually, I'd argue, way worse than what they were in 2014. Uh, they've shifted much further to the left. Um, but this is something that President Biden, you know, he's been a part of twice now, 2014 and now. And uh, I think if, if one thing to take away from the 2014 crisis is that he and President Obama oversaw a number of these detention facilities being created and constructed all across the southern border. And a lot of those facilities were used by President Trump and they're still being used today. And so I think, uh, if anything, because of, of those surges in 2014, that's one big thing to take away is President Obama and President Biden oversaw these detention facilities being created in response to the, you know, large numbers of family units and unaccompanied minors. Interestingly enough, you're seeing more of that now. A lot of Border Patrol agents are being pulled off of the border in their in their duties in in preventing you know illegal immigration and instead are putting up temporary detention facilities and overseeing those and overseeing the process of illegal aliens. And, you know, I think that in itself is kind of concerning because we're talking a lot about apprehensions here. The more Border Patrol agents you pull off the border, the more individuals are getting across the border undetected and getting into the interior of the country. So in addition mm -hmm. to that, you're seeing we're now on pace to have potentially the most apprehensions ever in a single fiscal year. Because, again, we, we're, we're seeing record months for early in the year, and we haven't gotten to the busy season yet. So if those trend lines continue as they normally do, 
we will see uh, you know a, a record year for apprehensions. And again, I don't know how anyone could say that that's not a crisis, something that's unprecedented, right. something that is occurring during a time when our economy is still weak and COVID-19 is still a problem and the spread of it is still a very real risk. But somehow that's not something that you need to be concerned about, according to the Biden administration. It's just a little challenge. Right. I, I also want to add to uh, a huge point as to why so many uh, unaccompanied minors and family units were coming in 2014. And now is the concept of catch and release is, is back. So if you come with a child, essentially, to the southern border, you're apprehended and you uh, want to seek asylum, you're, you can only be detained for up uh, as much as 20 days and then you're released into the interior of the country and told to come back to your court hearing date, which could be as long or as far away as six months to a year because we have such a big backlog of these asylum cases. And so that is a huge magnet that occurred in 2014, but it's still occurring now. You know, the MPPs, the microprotection protocols are no longer in place. Uh, I just read a story this morning that, that in the Rio Grande Valley, family units are being apprehended with no court date even on, on paper, it's it just they're released and there's there's no date for them to show up again. So it's that concept, too, is really, really motivating family units, especially to come to our southern border. And um, they know that they'll be apprehended and then released quickly and, you know, virtually never seen again. Yeah. you're And in fact, uh, you had mentioned the backlog of cases that has grown over a million. So it's something that even if we did everything right now, it's going to take a long time to recover from this. And as we've already noted, you can't expect that to happen in the Biden administration. Things are going to continue to get worse. And I think another thing to, that's important to note with the catch and release policy is that even a lot of individuals with criminal records are being released into the country uh, once they're apprehended. That is something that did not occur during the Trump administration, one of the things that he did when he re, uh, you know, rescinded the catch and release policies and everything that pertained to the infamous Morton memos was ensure that if someone was apprehended that had a criminal record, they were processed and either prosecuted in the United States if they needed to be served their sentence and then sent back to their home country. We are seeing information out of the San Diego sector of Border Patrol saying that 2021 looks to be potentially breaking records in terms of apprehensions of individuals convicted of sex abuse crimes. And I think that's really concerning. And again, I think it is a it, it is directly stemming from the dismantling of, of both border and interior immigration enforcement measures that we've seen because these people are like, oh, I can come to the United States and have very little risk of being apprehended and deported. It's worth making the journey now. And that puts individuals in the United States at risk. And of course, it puts, you know, these potential illegal aliens and migrants at risk as well, because these individuals are embedding themselves into migrant caravans and, you know, taking advantage of, uh, of that whole system as well. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and perhaps learned something new. And as a reminder, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. And all of our episodes are available on most platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And you can visit our website, www.fairus.org, and our Twitter handle, at Fair Immigration, to access our podcast as well. So please keep spreading the word for us. We hope each and every one of you are continuing to stay safe and sound. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration, presented by FAIR.